Welcome into the Paul Bunyan Podcast. I'm Joe Dahl. I'm Mike Olson, head of the Jim Harbaugh to the Detroit Lions fan club. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Chris Stout. I'm just thankful that you guys let me be a part of this project because it's been so fun. Oh, we love hearing that, man. It's it's nice to have you on the podcast with us. It's awesome to get a a third voice in with us. Michigan State football could not force a second straight top 10 upset as a depleted Ohio State team rolled in and through East Lansing, cruising to a 52-12 win over the now 2-4 Spartans. Michigan's date with Maryland was canceled due to COVID cases in the Wolverines program, and their remaining season now remains in limbo. And an eventful week on the hardwood took place as well. Both the Wolverines and Spartans got some home court scares, but survived the week at 2-0 apiece. No more games against the Horizon League. Exactly. <laughs> I just love watching Michigan basketball right now. It's such a, it's such an uplifting experience. I haven't given up on our football team. I'm excited about what we're going to bring to the table, but it seems more and more likely now that we're not even going to play against yeah, Ohio also State. Game against Nebraska. Right. Maybe that's what it'll be. <laughs> I, ne- I, I never thought that I would be happy to find a day that I didn't want to watch the greatest rivalry in all of sports, uh, Michigan versus Ohio State. But to be honest, we're gonna, we would lose this year if we were to play. And I don't think that anything would be gained on their side. They've won 16 out of 17. So I think the writing's on the wall. They're, they're due for the playoffs. I'm, I'm excited to see what they'll do against Clemson. Um, I think Ohio State is your national champion this year. Ooh. I think they'll take out the – requirement for six games and allow Ohio State to enter the college football playoffs and I think they'll win it all that's my feeling that's that's how it feels right I got now you. yeah they were down quite a few players we're recording this on Saturday evening uh, just to peek behind the curtain a little bit so Michigan State and Ohio State played earlier this after this this morning I guess uh, Ohio State winning 52 to 12 pretty close to my prediction I predicted 45 to 14. But still, definitely uh, disappointing. Didn't didn't enjoy watching Down it at all. Down twenty three players, seventeen of them scholarship. Uh, their head coach Ryan Day wasn't there. Three of their assistant coaches yeah. weren't there. Larry, Larry Johnson assumed head coaching duties, which was kind of weird. He's their defensive line coach, right? Yeah, which was kind of weird because Kevin Wilson is their their offensive coordinator and has experience as a head coach in the Big Ten. He was Indiana's guy for a long time. Yeah, but he sucks. He does. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Tom Allen's doing better at Indiana. He sucks, than, but than seriously, him. he does. But, but seriously, um, you know, in fantasy land, if Harbaugh is going to stay next year, that's who I want their defensive coordinator to be is um, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson? Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> do a little bit of the reverse. Um, you know, because Ohio State went up to Ann Arbor and plucked yeah, Madison and uh, was it Washington? Yeah, Al Washington. Yeah. He was a good coach, too. Actually, I wouldn't mind if 
be stolen. You get back. back, yeah. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> double, <laughs> double cross. I'm shocked that I, I, I think he's a better defense of mine in 2020 than Greg Madison. Yeah. He, and, and like Madison's said, a 90s coach. He was yeah. so great with uh, Notre Dame early on. Yeah. And he was great with us prior to that, and he's been a great coach. But at some point, like, there are guys that are going to take over for the decade, for the 2000s, and that's been the case. Yeah, He, he was really good at Michigan, but I don't know yep. if I thought he was a top five defensive coordinator. Well, just look at Rashawn Gary, who he worked with personally. There were games where, if you look at that uh, clip, the all or nothing kind of documentary that was built, he'd go to Rashawn and was like, we just put you in a seven technique. To avoid the double, t- you're better than that. You know these types of things, and it's like, well, okay, we should have gotten more out of Rashawn Gary and a number of the guys that came in. We should have won a national title because we have the players to do so. We didn't do it. They had, they went we didn't do deep. it. They went eight deep in 2016. You look at the, all the guys they had on the defensive line. They were doing hockey shifts. Like we're yeah. gonna blitz every down. You're gonna get yep. tired, but don't worry. We're gonna You're going to get a breather. Yeah. You're going to get a blow yeah. somewhere. Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary as backups. Right. And what, what what teams would do, and I alluded to this before on the podcast, which is they can then take away – they can take those guys out of the game. They simply double-team both of them, and they run up the gut. And that's been Michigan's sore spot for a long time. And it continues now where, okay, fine, we won't deal with the tackles. They'll over-pursue. We'll come up the middle. We'll beat your guard. And we'll beat your center, and we'll move through you. And without Caesar Ruiz, it's a lot tougher to defend that for Michigan. There's some of the other D tackles they've missed. But on the flip side, Larry Johnson, who coached for Ohio State this game, yep. he maximizes the talent. Uh, I mean, look at look at the defensive lineman Ohio State has put into the league most recently. You got the Bosa brothers. Uh, what's his name? Chase Young in Washington. Uh, Adolphus Washington. Quite a, quite a few other players that they they just. They just—it's a factory of sending defensive line talent, and they—they um, they thoroughly took care of Michigan State. And Michigan State, I was very disappointed because not only did they get beaten by Ohio State, they also beat themselves time and time again. They extended multiple Ohio State drives after it looked like they'd stopped them on third down, made a just a straight up dumbass penalties, giving Ohio State automatic first downs. That happened. That happened multiple times. Uh, it didn't look like they really came prepared with a game plan on offense. They, through the first, up until about like two minutes to go in the second half, or in the first half, I mean, um, they had one first down and it was from the pass interference. Yeah. It was extremely frustrating to watch. And uh, the defensive line got better as the game went on, but they really came out flat early and gave Fields all the time in the world. I mean, f- the first drive for Ohio State, Fields must have dropped every snap because they're working with a new center. And still just had plenty of time to pick the ball up, dust it off a little bit, spin it around on his finger like yep. uh, like a, a Harlem Globetrotter, yeah. and uh, waltz to a first down. Yeah. I'm just like, I know, Doesn't affect me. I know yeah. Northwestern is not Ohio State, but they've got a decent Ohio, they've got a def- decent offensive line, and you're playing against Ohio State's third stringers. Like That same D-line controlled the line of scrimmage just a week ago, and now can't force pressure after the ball's on the ground for three seconds. Uh, no Jalen Hunt, I know, but like, dang, that was that was so frustrating. Um, Lombardi left the game late in the second quarter with an apparent concussion. Hope for the best for him, uh, but he really just was bad Lombardi this week, as opposed to the few times we've seen good Lombardi. 
I think the only bright spot was that Peyton Thorne replaced him and completed his first 11 passes in relief. And at times it looked really athletic and uh, surprisingly composed for a, uh, a redshirt freshman. He finished 16 of 24, 177 yards, did throw a pick, but also ran for 47 yards, including a 20-yard touchdown. So he was the main positive from the day, aside from I, I think the secondary had mostly positive play, mostly. Yeah, I, I thought there was a chance that it might look a little bit better. I think the main positive you take away from Michigan State is Peyton Thorne came in and looked good. Yeah. Other than that, though, I didn't see a whole lot. He, he should be given the reins. If you're lucky for Michigan State, if you're lucky, you got two weeks left. You're going to play Penn State next week for the uh, esteemed land-grant trophy, <laughs> and then yeah. you're going to have the crossover game. So your last two games are against teams that are about even with you because Penn State won today against Rutgers. So what was the final score? I saw that they, they I think were... I think Penn State won twenty three to seven over Rutgers. I it, thought Lombardi would I thought he was going to be replaced for a better talent before now. I thought it would be a week before now. I didn't think he'd get the start. Yep. I um, but I think that now it I think that, that it's become even more clear. Yeah, I think if they played the Maryland game two weeks ago, you had the potential to replace Lombardi as a starter with Peyton Thorne or Theo Day, just kind of break them in against a weaker defense than Northwestern. But since that game gets canceled and Northwestern was coming in with uh, like a fierce defense, you don't want to throw a first-time a first -time starter to the Wolves, so to speak. And I think Rocky Lombardi's skill set was just what they needed to put him in that game against Northwestern and get the job done. So I kind of think if they played that game two weeks ago at Maryland, they go with a new starter, but, you know, they they weren't going to put a first-time starter in that game. And Lombardi won, so you're not going to bench him now. So Right. <laughs> yeah, but two games left. I do think Thorne should be given all the first-team reps, especially if uh, Lombardi's dealing with concussion protocol. That's some serious stuff. You, you, at the end of the day, you want him to be safe. So if that means not playing him, don't play him. Yeah, we. I don't think we'll see Rocky the rest of the year, but he's still somebody that – next year or the following year can surface and resurface and as injuries occur you know he'll be someone that they're they're, they're glad to have on staff yeah um, for Michigan disappointing not to play today um, game that I feel like we could have won against Maryland it's winnable winnable you know? yeah. yeah that's the right way to put it because you don't know what's going to happen but I do feel if Cade came out played his game that he would score more points than our Defense, which loves to score, uh, loves to allow points scored, would still come out on top and probably get a victory today. So that's kind of the, the bittersweet part Maryland, of it, the disappointing part. Maryland and Michigan are two of ten Big Ten football teams who have two wins. Ten have yeah. two wins? Yeah. Because yeah. Wisconsin is playing right now. They have two wins. Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue, North Nebraska, and then on the other side, Rutgers, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Maryland. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this, this really isn't a banner year for the Big Ten uh, on a few levels, but, I mean, it's, it's so weird. Yeah. It is. yeah. It's, it, it, it's weird for everybody just in their daily lives as well. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'm so thankful for basketball to have started right now because for Michigan fans, even though, like, I keep talking about that we're waiting for next season for, for these wonderful recruits to come in. But we have a good team right now, yeah. and they're yeah. fun to watch right now. And Michigan State, 
of course, as always, yeah. is also a really fun team to watch. So what I've experienced this year in December is more of a kind of, okay, football season's over. I'm glad we got to have it. Yeah. But now it's time to really enjoy basketball. And we'll get deeper into basketball uh, later in this episode. I just want to say I, the way I'm watching basketball this year is different than every other year that I've watched basketball because I've always got my eye towards March. So whenever I'm watching, I'm like critiquing, like, okay, we may lose this game, but it's okay because if they improve on this, then they'll be, you know, it'll be good that they lost this game now because then that's something you can improve on and fix in March, you know. We're not guaranteed March Madness this year. Um, and Baylor last year and not Gonzaga having, was uh, canceled. Exactly. Today. We had a one versus two game canceled that was supposed to take place. Number one versus number two. I'm, in the I'm country. just enjoying every game that I get to watch. I think once they get there in the bubble, I think we will have the tournament. I'm, I think it I will go so. through. I think we'll get to a finisher. They might have to cancel. There may be some. Lo- there may be some casualties along the way, but I think the conference there. tournaments might get the axe. Once you get guys, they're gonna find a way to get uh, the big tournament because that's it. money. Once you get into the bubble, once you isolate yourselves among all the players and staff and cleaning crew and everything, once they're in there, the yeah. way they did in Orlando, then I think you'll be good to go for the entire NHL, I think, did it in Vancouver, right? They did it in multiple Every, places, yeah. yeah. The NBA was kind of like the first one. Yeah. And they, made, they made it work, and I think we could do the same thing, and it might be a while... Wide world of sports again in Orlando, which would be fine. But either way, what I'm saying is once you get in there with your 64 teams or your 66 or whatever it is, I think then it will play out the yeah. way that it normally Fing- would. Fingers crossed. I'm just not I'm not putting any money. Nothing's a guarantee, but yeah. I, I think I think we have um, I think there's a good possibility that we can get to to, 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 a, to a championship game, to a Final Four, to a champion at the yeah. end of it. So. Taking this back to football for a minute, if they did the crossover games right now, who do you think Michigan would play? Minnesota. <laughs> really? And <laughs> <laughs> the season on a high note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll go back and do what we did. Oh, before. okay. Yeah. And then uh, who do you think Michigan State would play? I think they'd win their game, too. Nebraska. Illinois. Illinois. Maybe. Lovey Smith has beaten Michigan State twice now, oh, yeah. which is not fun. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, yeah, Mel Tucker took the podium after the game and said he expects more from himself and the team. There has been a lot of talk about what he's building long-term at Michigan State and about how the present isn't all that important, uh, present company included, because <laughs> that's definitely been my, my main point for this year. Uh, he said, though, I'm not about this long-term deal. We need to get something done right now. And went on to say, I believe we're better than this. I've got to do a better job getting out of these players what they have. And uh, I I really agree with that statement, especially now. Because like I said, if we're lucky, two games remaining, Penn State and then a crossover game. Uh, Teams, you'll be facing two opponents who you're about even with. So now's the time to show us what you've got. Because you mainly, you know, since the Rutgers game, in the Iowa game, I really expected Michigan State to lose all their games. And they, they surprised me in Ann Arbor, and they surprised me last week against Northwestern. So to, now you're you're kind of on even footing with the next two teams you're going to play if the games get played. Um, they won't be defining of this, this season, but they'll be telling about this team and the direction of the program. Can you beat the guy across from you when you're on level playing field and the expectations are about even? So that's what I'm excited to find out. Yeah, I am pretty much the same way. I was wondering if Michigan State would show anything after the surprising win last week. And I didn't think so until Peyton Thorne came in. And I was like, that's their quarterback going forward. Yeah. And uh, I know Ohio State was missing some defensive backs, but that's, it's that's still, still Ohio State. Yeah, it's still more than what, like 
Cade McNamara doing it against Rutgers, like, yeah, that felt good going forward, but this is against Ohio State. Yeah. And he it's, came in. It gives every it gives every team that gets to play Ohio State in the season the chance to set themselves as a benchmark against the best in college football. Exactly. And that's what's great about being in the Big Ten is you get to rate yourself against those guys. And if you're good enough to beat Ohio State on a Saturday, then guess what? You're going to get a chance to go to the semifinals and play a Bama or play a, a Clemson and see really how good you are. Exactly. So, um, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's pretty much everything we have to cover on the first segment. If you yeah, guys are ready to um, move into segment two or what else do you have? If we want to throw out some predictions for next week, we'll just yeah. act like the games are going to be played. Yeah, let's do it. Let's pretend that they are going to be played. Okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll start with Michigan State and Penn State. Um, I, I think Michigan, Penn State's a team that Michigan State can beat, uh, but Penn State uh, is kind of building some momentum now. They've won their last two games, and uh, I don't – I don't know this for certain, but I think Penn State is one of the only Big Ten teams that has been able to play every game. Like, they haven't had a cancellation due to COVID yet. I, I think them and Iowa, I want to say, are the only two, but I don't have that stat in front as of me. As long as Iowa's playing today, you are correct. Yeah, I think Iowa's playing Illinois today. Um, Michigan and Michigan State have each missed one. Yeah. Rutgers has played every game, too. Rutgers, yep. I forgot about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think Penn State's a winnable game. I I, I want to see Mel Tucker versus James Franklin um, because you know you know my thoughts on James Franklin. I think we all share those thoughts. Uh, I think Michigan State, especially if Peyton Thorne is getting all the reps with the first team in practice this week, could could have a chance to make a statement and win a rivalry game to close the season. And um, I think they will. I think it'll be Michigan State twenty four, Penn State thirteen. Okay. And did you are you going to predict do a prediction for Michigan and Ohio State? Uh, yeah, Michigan and Ohio State. Um, <laughs> I don't know who Ohio State gets back, but I'm not sure it matters much in terms of like who was sitting out the game against Michigan State. They're not going to have anyone sit out if they yeah. play this game. I'll say uh, Ohio State 49-10. to 10. Well, so you think Ohio State has an off day? Because <laughs> I told you, Michigan. You were, were going to say that regardless of whatever prediction I threw out there. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, if I thought they have a healthy Cade... I'd say like 70 to 35 because unlike Chris, I do think there's a few teams better than Ohio State in the country because I do think their defense is slightly suspect at the highest of levels. I think Bama looks better. Um, And I think Clemson looks a little bit better too, to tell you the truth. Okay. But uh, I think you said it right. That's how I stand. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Like I said, their offense off the charts, I expected a little bit more from their defense. And like I said, I'm ranking them like probably third in the country because I think they're better than Notre Dame. Yeah. So yeah. playoff worthy, but not oh, championship, yeah, 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 yeah. championship worthy. Yeah, I just there's only two teams in the country though that I think would give them any kind of trouble. What and, are your two uh, predictions as far as scores go? First, starting with Michigan State for uh, next Michigan week. Michigan State and Penn State. I feel like that's a tricky one to predict. Yeah, because I was telling you even before the Michigan Penn State game that like if you look at Penn State, they're losing a bunch of close games, and they really, they were up seventeen nothing on Rutgers, and they won twenty three to seven. Like, I don't know. That's a hard one to predict. And then I don't know how Peyton Thorne's gonna look playing a whole game. Right. Right. It's easy for me. I'll get it out of the way. Thirty one twenty four Penn State. Okay, I'll, I'll go twenty seven. 
24 Penn State. They could really go either way. Yeah. yeah. So all I'm of us, all of us yeah. feel like Michigan State could win this game. Yeah, it's it's winnable. I think we're approaching it the same way we talked about like Michigan and Maryland uh, a week ago. Yeah, yeah. It depends who's the quarterback. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and when and it's kind of the same thing with Michigan. Like when Cade's in there, they just look a little bit different. They have a little bit they of just spark. Click. Yeah, right. they're not they're not a world beater on offense, but they can move the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. And if We're the coaches competent. just decide to give Haskins the ball ninety percent of the time too, I think the Michigan would look a lot better. Uh, if they played Ohio State healthy, I think they lose seventy to twenty four. <laughs> if they don't have their quarterback, and uh, Dan Bellari is starting, oh, they might be lucky to get a touchdown seventy to seven. I'll say that. All right, always the optimist. I'll say 42-38 Michigan wins against Ohio State wow. uh, and still can't go to the college football playoffs, but at least it <laughs> keeps uh, Ohio State from going there. Right. And I know that we're going to have Jim Harbaugh back yeah. next year based on, on what I've heard yeah. from someone who's close to the organization, and I think he'll finish this year, and then I think he will get the extension. I think what will happen is that Jim Harbaugh ultimately will have 10 years here at Michigan, and he'll have over 100 wins. And at that point, I think he'll be of clear mind to do either the NFL or nothing at all or come back to Michigan and try to pursue the national championship. Because this is year six. Right. Uh, I think he's got four more. Yeah. So let's say they beat like Minnesota or Nebraska. We'll, we'll just give them that. So that's fifty this year. So he'd have to win fifty games in four years. So that's twelve and a half a year. You think he can do it? Well, that's not possible. Well, he, I mean, if he wins, if you, if you win ten a year, on average for ten years, that's a hundred games. I think he'll get there. So you think he'll get 10. like ten more years? Because he's in no. Year I'm six saying now. right. Right. Because this year was also shortened, so he's only going to end up with two or three this year. So that kind of throws off the average. So I, so I understand. I'm not retarded. I understand, <laughs> I understand the math you guys are presenting. What I'm saying is I think he will have at the end of his tenure over 10 years and over 100 wins okay. when, he, when he leaves Michigan. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, okay. That makes more I just thought you were saying. Uh, yeah, I thought you meant like, like maybe four more he has, years yeah. and he'll get to over 100. <laughs> <laughs> you have to remember this is the age of the Internet where you'll think someone's joking with what they're saying. Sure. And then you find out they're serious and they really like, expect oh. their team to win three straight championships. What I expect is for him one of those years to be the the best of the best, to win all the games in front of him and to win his bowl game, and then to come out the next year and win the next 10 or so, uh, much like, you know, Urban Meyer or Ryan Day was able to do at Ohio State. So what I'm saying is when he leaves at the end of his tenure, he'll have over 10 years, he'll have over 100 wins. That, that's how I expect it to go down. I think he's going to have at least two or three years. I think he's going to get an extension with a smaller buyout. He might not even get much of a raise. Not that he needs it. Um, he'll still be one of the highest paid. Right. Um, but I think he will give Ward enough rope that if this wasn't kind of a fluke season and he has a bad year, Ward can move on, but it's going to help recruiting. And, I mean, if uh, – uh, what's his uh, – J- what's the incoming quarterback? Um, J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy. I mean, that – you keep saying, Chris, you hope Michigan finds their quarterback. If he's the real deal, then maybe you're right, and the next few years are good. I still think you're probably going to have to wait a year or two. Um, I really want to know what's going on with your boy Dylan McCaffrey because I don't he's think – He's got to be wanting to come I, back. Yeah, he's got to want it somewhere in his heart. 
if Mil, I don't want really Milton to come back. No, and I want Cade to have more than just a freshman or Dan Valari challenging him. You, you so, just you keep insulting the great name of Dan Valari, and I will stand this guy? for it. <laughs> it's like uh, people going up to Joan Howard talking about Tim Miles. I don't know who Dan Valari is. It's fine. Good for you. <laughs> I'm on. Yeah, I'm in the same. With the same boat. <laughs> so really, a lot to look forward to next segment as far as basketball on both sides, Always. what we just played and, and, and who we're about to play. Um, but anything else for anybody, or should we flip to next segment? Yeah, uh, Dan Villari is a three-star coming out of New York. Oh, okay, I remember when we were talking about recruiting last year, I remember yep. him. He, yeah, he's uh, ranked 1,225th nationally, uh, Forty. Second overall for pro style quarterbacks. That's not bad. No, I mean he's I mean, a nobody. Three-star. Nobody wanted Kirk Cousins coming out. No, so. no, I don't think he's Kirk Cousins though. But still, nobody wants. He's Kirk also Cousins. a freshman. He's a freshman. <laughs> you, too. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. You like that? What was that thing? Yeah, running off the field. Oh my god. That's my favorite thing. For the, the rest best. of our lives, we will walk around this state saying we won four. Of right. the games. 4-0. 4-0. <laughs> Paul Bunyan. I don't know. They don't do the gold pants like Ohio State does because that's just weird. Um, but, yeah, Kirk Cousins, four, do you get a, four games versus Michigan. Do you get a Kevin doubles. Harlan tie? I think that's weird, too. All right, but are we ready uh, to talk basketball? Hardwood on the following segment. American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. Teams faced a little bit of a scare on their home courts, but came out of the week 2-0. Both teams still undefeated. Michigan with wins over Oakland and Ball State. Michigan State, nice win at Duke, and a win over Detroit Mercy on Friday night. Yeah, so last week so last week we were recording, and I said, <laughs> it was right before the Michigan-Oakland game, I'm like, now that we said something, Michigan might lose, <laughs> just because of how, how's it, how it goes. But I was in a bad mood last weekend. Michigan looked like crap against Penn State on the football field. Michigan hockey, you know, they're rolling for the most part, but they got swept by Notre Dame. So my saving grace was supposed to be Michigan basketball. And I head home after we recorded the podcast, I'm eating my Taco Bell, and I'm like, what is this crap? (laughs) (laughs) And my wife's actually talking on the phone to her friend, and her friend's like a casual Michigan football and basketball fan. She's like, Oh, uh, I don't even watch the games. Did Michigan lose in football? And my wife's like, Mike's shaking his head yes. How are they doing in basketball? Mike looks mad. <laughs> um, Mike's for, the barometer for how to feel yeah. about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Michigan struggled against that zone. They couldn't hit their threes against Oakland. Franz Wagner, I mean, he that was his one bad offensive game of the year. He was killing on defense. But they were depending on him to hit some threes, and he wasn't. But once they decided just to go inside, uh, Hunter Big Dickinson, you know, he uh, <laughs> he just started giving it to Oakland over and over again. And uh, that was their saving grace. And uh, he should be starting the rest of the year over big country. I love me some Austin Davis. 
Um, but it yeah. makes sense. I yeah. called that. I called that from the get go. I knew that it would be Dickinson. I knew that he would be the guy, and he would play forty minutes this quickly too. I knew it would happen. You yeah. said like game three, four, five, six. I was like, no, they're gonna. That's gonna be something that happens almost immediately. Yeah, I mean, he's old for a freshman. He's like twenty years old, so that helps oh, wow. too. Yeah, he's he's old for a freshman. Um, but and actually, too, even though Brandon Johns at times has struggled a little bit. Not the whole season. I want to make that clear. He's had some really good stretches, too. I actually think he should be number two at center. If Dickinson has to come out of the game, slot John's over at the five. Yep. Love me some Austin Davis, but he should be the third option. No, he's a bench player. He's like a number yep. 12. He should be the, the victory there, cigar that should roll out at the end of the game. Yep. There's, yeah. The, <laughs> the thing that impressed me, too, about Dickinson was just I love his demeanor during the entire game. He doesn't give up. When he gets pushed out, he still plays. When he doesn't get the calls, he still plays hard. And the thing is, he at some point realizes that he's a man among boys. He has this gift to fight, and he does dominate that way. He dominates physically. He's able to do that. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. It's a good learning experience. And, uh, and the only my only fear was how would they – look the next game and the fact that they bounced back. Yeah, it didn't it wasn't a lingering effect. Yeah, and uh, Howard was experimenting with the lineups too. So against Ball State, they probably could have won by even more. But he was, you know, getting ready for the rest of the season. Do these weird lineups work? If someone gets in foul trouble, can I put these two or three guys on the court at the same time? So, you know, at times Ball State I think pulled within seven, I think, but for the most part, you know, Michigan won uh had a you know, a pretty good lead, and they won by how much? Like 19? Maybe um, 15? But they kept it in that range most of the game. 19, 84 to 65 yeah. was the final. Yeah, and if it would have been another scare, then it's like, okay, is this going to be a then problem start, the whole season? <laughs> you you start to really be concerned. Mm-hmm. Michigan State, uh, Tuesday night, walked into Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham, and oh man, uh, Tom Izzo talked about his team getting punched in the face by Duke last season when the Blue Devils dominated the Spartans at the Breslin Center. I really thought Michigan State was going to bring that punch right back to Durham and make a statement early, but they did not, and I was very concerned about that. Uh, Behind turnovers, fouls, and an offense that I would categorize as clunky, Duke took a 13-3 lead early, and at one point, Jay Billis, who was calling the game with Sean McDonough, said, Michigan State came ready to play the game, but Duke came ready to fight. And I was like, oh, Gosh, this is <laughs> pissing me off beyond reason. Where did Jay Billis go to school? Oh, you are. I believe he went to Duke. I like Billis. I like him a lot. I he's think smart, he's great. But he does let. Uh, not not yeah. to get sidetracked, we can get back to the game. He's like the, for me, like the Kirk Herbstreet of college basketball. That's fair. And I'm going to bring up Her- Kirk Herbstreet in the next segment. But uh, but what he says, <laughs> like, but what. What Billis says, like, I, I stand um, behind all of it. Like, I don't disagree with anything he says. I, no, I like Billis a lot. But just, when Amaker was at Michigan, and remember Amaker is a Duke boy, he criticized Michigan for firing Amaker and hiring Beeline. And sometimes it has to be more about than where you went to school. Hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> Amaker never made a tournament. Michigan can fire him. Sorry. Yeah. I liked him, Amaker. It's hard. I liked him dislike. too. I was excited to see Amaker's him. Amaker's actually a hard guy to dislike. He's such a he's gentleman a, he, and nice. And he's a he was a great defensive player, mm-hmm. and I thought he'd bring a lot to Michigan. And but he's like, done well at Harvard. Yeah. But like Ellerby was a nightmare. <laughs> Amaker was a nightmare. And when we got Beeline, that was like our savior. Talk about our savior. Like they wanted Jim Harbaugh to be Beeline for basketball for 
Michigan. He was the savior. Virginia teams too. I was so happy when they hired him. He was look. It took him a little while, and they were still his off years. But every third or fourth year or fifth year, we'd have a team that would go all the way to the championship. Yeah. Yeah. And and you were talking about Michigan bringing. And our Michigan State bringing it and punching like it, Duke the punch has, eventually his, came. His Duke historically has a bunch of players and coaches with punchable faces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron Henry, he really provided that spark offensively and defensively. He just he looks like he's the player that Michigan State fans have wanted for so long. Like I said, Timid Henry can't be existent anymore, and I think Timid Henry is gone. And now we have aggressive Aaron Henry, who looks like. He, he knows what he needs to do to be an NBA player. And this is going to be his last season in East Lansing, unless something goes horribly wrong or, like, he gets injured. He's playing at an NBA level right now. And his skill set on both sides of the floor, it's the world is at his fingertips when he's just playing aggressive. He's always been a smart player. It's just playing within himself and just being aggressive and energetic. Julius Marble and Malik Hall, they were instant impacts off the bench. Michigan State stormed back. Like I said, they were down 13-3. to By the end of the first half, you know, they, they closed the first half so well against Eastern and Notre Dame. They were up by six at one point, then took a four-point lead into the break. And uh, that momentum just continued into the second half. Michigan State built the lead up by as much as 16. And they just did it methodically. Like, they calmed down. Rocket Watts was excellent after getting off to a start. Yeah, Rocket Watts. And, man, Foster Lawyer, he he is what Tom Izzo needs right now, and he, he has a place on this team. Michigan State Twitter might not like it as much, but I think they're coming around to him. Like, early in the game, so Watts started the game. It was his first start of the year. Duke was pressing Watts, and I could it was so obvious how much it was bothering him. I, I thought to myself, oh, goodness, if they're bothering Rocket Watts this much, they're just going to eat Foster Lawyer alive for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a midnight snack. <laughs> but Lawyer came in and was the stabilizer between the two. And I think that's going to have to be the relationship. Like, Watts has, like, all the potential in the world. He's still learning to play the point. And then Foster will be a little bit of a stabilizer with, like, a little less explosiveness. He's not. He's nowhere near the athlete that Watts is. Uh, like I said, Marble came off the bench, 12 points. He did not miss a shot from the floor or the free throw line, which is excellent. Malik Hall, he's just the the consummate blue guy and player that you want on your team. Like, he knows his role. He knows he's not going to start over Hauser or at the five or at the three. But he gives the energy. Like, there was a play that was – it was a shot that went off the rim and was going out of bounds. And Malik Hall just lunged at it like Dennis Rodman and got it back in play to Langford, who found – I believe it was Hauser who scored. And that's two points that you wouldn't get if if Malik Hall does not give 110%. And in what ends up being a six-point game, like, that's invaluable. Um, so Malik Hall, he's really coming into his own. Plays excellent defense, uh, a really good effort game. And then Joey Hauser had another double-double at Duke, 11-10. and 10. My goodness, he's <clears throat> he's exactly, like, if he was on that team last year, it, it would have been darn near unstoppable, especially if they had this year's version of Aaron Henry. I thought Michigan State played great defense. They held Duke to 32% shooting, 21% from three points, yeah. point land. Um, <clears throat> and Duke, you know, Duke had less turnovers than Michigan State. But when you play such solid defense that the other team's not shooting as well as you, yeah, um, that, that's what uh, 
that defense and sticking it to them is what can win you a close game. They've got a lot of length and athleticism, and they're using it. And what I love about the five spots, so it seems like there's a rotation of Kithier, Bingham, and Julius Marble there. Occasionally you'll see Mati Sissoko, but he's pretty raw at this point. What Bingham does well complements what Marble does well, and what Kithier does well complements what Bingham does well. Like, if one of them's not having a good game, you can switch him out, and like the other two can pick it up. Uh, so I love that. Like I said, Foster Lawyer was a stabilizer. Rocket Watts was maybe the reason that they won the game. Him and Aaron Henry, I think. And uh, Josh Langford played 30 minutes. Only had three points, but he was really solid defensively. So, you know, people people might put an asterisk next to it. Tom Izzo said he won't because of the no fans thing. Like, if fans were allowed at games, this game wouldn't have been played at Duke. It would have been played on a neutral site. So I'm not going to give that any bearings. You win at Duke. I love it. Duke's only lost three non-conference games at home since 2001, including Tuesday night. So I will take it. They won by six. Really, it was more of like a 10-point game throughout the second half. Um, I'm just so happy to get that win over Duke and uh, two, out of the, two out of the last three over the Blue Devils. That it. feels good. It's got to feel good as a fan, Joe. I, I, I have some envy. <clears throat> what, 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 uh, what do you think of Matthew Hurt's face? Punchable. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good player, though. You no, know, he is, and it's, just, it's not the usual Duke team that has like a scary monster off the uh, on the floor. But they're still a very good and very talented team. He's a really, I mean, he could be the a- ACC Player of the Year. You know, yeah, he led all scorers. He is good. He's very good, and yeah. then Jalen Johnson's really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michigan <laughs> played Ball State, I believe, it was on Wednesday night. Yeah, and Ball isn't even a state. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> nice bounce-back game. Uh, handled business the way they should have against Oakland. I also can't figure out Oakland or Xavier, for that matter, because if you look at some of those games, we were uh, talking last Sunday, like, oh, Xavier whooped on Oakland. Michigan should handle their business. But then uh, uh, Oakland's, I wouldn't say they've been good in any other games, yeah. but they haven't been as horrible. And then Xavier's looked kind of bad. Also, being in that tournament, whatever tournament Xavier and Oakland was in, Oakland had some games on us, and that could have also been uh, yeah. a bit of a thing. And then uh, Michigan also, um, hearing how good they were for a few days after that opening win. You always worry about that with college kids. Yeah, but they got back to uh, they got back to basics. Livers looks like he might be the best player on the team. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about how good Dickinson looks. And then Franz uh, had a good bounce-back game on offense. And they bring in on defense. Uh, Eli Brooks, I like and I like him and um, Smith in the backcourt. I do think their ceiling's somewhat limited, and when they play elite teams, that could be a weakness for Michigan. Just not that they're bad, but they're just they're smaller guys. Yeah. Smith can score. Brooks can bring the defense. Smith can look. He's kind of undersized, so he can be exploited. His defense can be exploited, and then Brooks, you know, unless he just has an open shot, he doesn't, he can't create his own shot on uh, offense. Right, right. I love Brown too. I think Brown is not only a scorer, but he's a good defender. Um, I think Michigan's kind of trying to figure out their bench. I think there's a lot of potential there. But they won by 19. They looked good most of the game. Howard was trying some things. He was trying different people at center, both Johns and Davis. He was trying some of the young guys. Zeb Jackson's still raw, but I don't think they'll need him much. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really seen much of Mr. TikTok. 
Oh, uh, Adrian Nunez. Adrian Nunez. I, I don't know if we've seen him at all. I, I didn't which watch is, the Ball State which, one. But. I thought he might come in against Oakland because they were struggling to hit threes, and that was his specialty coming out of high school, you know. But what did you think of Ball State? Game? It's fun. It's fun for me. It's nice to have like some established leaders, and I looked at Isaiah Livers, really being a leader on the floor. And then even though he's young, Franz is also a leader on the floor. And I think those guys, by their demeanor, kind of set the precedent for the rest of the team. And I think the team follows well. Um, I think Jawan has kind of cultivated a good locker room of brotherhood and support for each other to where guys really are in each other's corners, helping each other out. And uh, I, I expect us to play even better throughout the course of this season in, 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 in preparation for next year. And, like, look, I don't think we'll win the Big Ten tournament in the regular season this year or the win the Big Ten in the regular season or win the Big Ten tourney or win the big dance. Right. But next year, all those things are on the table, all right. three. I so. think they could make some noise. Like I said, I, I, I see four teams definitely being better than them in the Big Ten. And I think they could – get to a Sweet 16 or something like that. They have some potential. Uh, they're, they're not a team to be taken lightly. They got, no. They got people who can play multiple positions. They got people who can score. And they got people who have length. You talk about Franz, yeah. Dickinson, Livers. Like, that, those are dangerous, dangerous aspects to Yeah, when you have two guys, team. when you have a five that is legitimately over seven foot, and then you have a four that's pushing that could play the five that's what, Franz is what, six, seven? He's 6'10". Okay, 6'10". And you can put Livers out All there, too. All of a sudden, too. Yeah. Livers on the same yeah, starting right. lineup. You can that's, put Brandon Johns That's there. a big, tall yeah. team, and they can move, too. Yeah, Eli Brooks is 6'2", I believe. Is he? Yeah, didn't we have this discussion last year? we had this exact because discussion. Because bigger <laughs> guards always, like, kind of – he plays better against small guards. I'll put it yeah. that way. So I thought he was shorter than he was, and then we looked it up, and he was 6'2", and it kind of surprised me. Yeah. It's always hard to tell with basketball. Um, So Michigan State took on Detroit Mercy on Friday. Uh, It was Detroit Mercy's first game because their first three were all canceled due to COVID issues. And I thought it was very apparent that on Friday night, Detroit Mercy was playing their first game and Michigan State was playing their third game of the week. Uh, And that could be positive or negative for both teams because the Titans looked fresh, but they also had much more film to study on the Spartans. But they also made a lot of first-game mistakes that you like to get out of the way early on. Uh, Detroit Mercy, they're coached by Mike Davis, uh, obviously former Indiana coach, has has a really good track record against Tom Izzo, uh, so I was definitely nervous going into the game. And Antoine Davis, I've known about him for a long time, just one of the best scorers in the country. Like, he's got an NBA future. Um, man, he it, it was a tight game, tied at halftime, 35, and... Um, the coaches made the decision to rest Langford after he played 30 minutes at Duke and Michigan State's playing Western on Sunday. Uh, they're supposed to anyways. So they made the decision to kind of um, do the load management that they do in the NBA. And I think early on they were maybe regretting that decision. But Gabe Brown stepped up in his first start of the year, finished with 16 points, uh, playing great defense and hitting some clutch shots down down the stretch. He really, The lineup of uh, it was Watts. Brown and Henry, and then I believe it was Hall and Marble. They they really took the game for Michigan State. It ended up being eighty three to seventy six, so a seven point win. Uh, but it it was tight, and it was really back and forth the whole second half. Yeah, um, it was a 
who was the player that uh, transferred from St. Bon? I think it was Matt Johnson. Bonaventure. Yeah, yeah St. Yeah, Bonaventure. He, yeah, he. Tom Izzo, I was watching his press conference earlier today, and he was talking about that. Like, we had no film on Matt yeah. Johnson. He played maybe two minutes a game at St. Bonaventure's, and then transfers to Detroit Mercy, starts, and I think he had 13 points against State. Uh, I have the stats here. Yeah, I was going to say, I know there was a player that transferred that didn't play a whole lot. 20. I was so, going to say, I thought he had like 20 or 21. Davis went for 24, but he didn't hit any three-pointers. Uh, Watts was the main guy guarding him. You kind of you kind of take that. Like, he's going to get his. You're not going to shut down Antoine Davis. But then to get 20 from Matt Johnson, um, I don't. I forget his first name. His last name was Cool. Got 12. Be um, Cool. That's his yeah, name. Is be, be Cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, 30 from Fraser. Uh, it was a bit of a shorter bench for Detroit, but they also have Torian Thompson, who Tom has recruited heavily and ended up going to Syracuse and then transferring over. Uh, they run; they're another team that runs the zone, which I think you you'll you see a lot of like the smaller schools, like the MAC or Oakland ran against Michigan. Exactly, and Foster Lawyer was hitting the threes. A lot of people were hitting threes against Eastern Michigan when Eastern brought out the zone, and uh, they just weren't falling for the team. Uh, their three-point percentage, they were 6 of 18 from beyond the arc, so that's 33.333333%. But Rocket Watts really played a great second half, both offensively and defensively. Tom Izzo said after the game that it was it was probably the best he's ever seen Rocket Watts play. And then not having Josh Langford available opened up some time for A.J. Hogard, the rarely used freshman, to get some time. And I really liked what I saw out of him especially in a game that was a battle, kind of an unexpected battle. Uh, he gave 19 minutes, finished with four points, but I really liked what I saw from, from A.J. Hogard. I see that Kiffier started but only played 11 minutes. Yeah, Izzo was really upset with the defense from the bigs, aside from Marcus Bingham, he said, um, which is why you're so happy to have a lot of bigs available. Yeah. Uh, like Joey Hauser only played 19 minutes. He finished with 10 points, five rebounds, two assists. Uh, but it was kind of a combo, like, due to bumping his knee and then some poor defense was losing minutes to, I believe it was Malik Hall, played a lot in his place. Um, Aaron Henry had another great game. He finished with 12 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. I think he's going to be on triple-double wash almost every <coughs> game this year. Uh, Marble, I was kind of excited to see how he'd follow up the, the, his breakout performance at Duke. He finished with 9-5. and five. And, um, you know, there's going to be nights like this. And there's talk that Michigan State's game against Western on Sunday might get canceled due to COVID. I'm kind of, I wouldn't be upset if it does because it'd be another, it'd be the third game since Tuesday, and then you're going to Virginia on Wednesday night. Um, that's, that just spells trouble. Like you might be asking too much. A lot of people, a lot of teams are only playing five non-conference games, but Michigan State's got seven scheduled. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. Kind of the opposite with Michigan. It looks like they may only play four if the NC State game gets canceled, and I want them to schedule some more and not have such a big layoff. But uh, and I, I I think with Michigan State and Virginia, you're not going to get any lack of focus from Virginia because they were recently upset by San Fran. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus that's that's a battle of Joey Hauser versus Sam Hauser. Yep. Former teammates, obviously brothers. Yep. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, so Michigan State, Western Michigan on Sunday at. Number, right now, number 15, Virginia on Wednesday, and then Oakland the next Sunday. Michigan, uh, I'm not UCF. sure. UCF. Central Florida. Yep, tomorrow. Yep. And uh, I, I'm not going to count my uh, 
eggs before they <laughs> don't have the chickens before, before the egg. Yeah, they they're, su- however they're that supposed goes to play North Carolina State. Yeah, but it seems like there's uh, some issues. And there's a chance that Wisconsin and Louisville gets canceled because of Louisville's outbreak, and they yep. uh, were supposed to play, I think, both on Wednesday. So Wisconsin looks stacked, so Michigan should just schedule a non-con with them and play that loaded team three times. Exactly, that's the way to do it. Yeah, um, but I mean, I want, I don't want long layoffs. I don't want Michigan to only play so many games. I actually want them to play a lot. Yeah, I want them to sprinkle some. Games in between now and the Big Ten season, even if it's against, like, you know, whatever the word is for Division Two now. Well, Mike Bray of Notre Dame was tweeting out that they have an open date and they need to schedule somebody. I would love to watch Michigan Notre Dame play. I, I think They're probably, yeah. look, Notre Dame and NC State's probably about the same level, too, of opponent. Yeah. But you're playing an ACC team. Exactly. A pretty big program. I would even be okay if they, like, Scheduled some Mac schools, like let's play a local team like Toledo or something, you know. Uh, I want to, and then, you know, for me too, watching more basketball would be great. Uh, And some of these start times are throwing me off. Like I didn't even watch the Detroit Mercy and Michigan State game live. I was was kind of following on Twitter and I uh, had the radio on for a bit, but uh, Will Teeman, Tyman, Teeman. Yeah, he, he needs to learn to update the score a little oh, bit yeah. more. No, I, I can't listen to the games anymore. First of all, too stressful. Like, I'm already too stressed out and, like, on edge. Yeah. That I'm just, like, getting mad at this old man for no reason. <laughs> Sounds um, like me talking about Brandstetter. And, uh... <laughs> I think having no no fans to worry about, like, no attendance numbers to worry about, you'll, you'll see some <laughs> odd tip-off times this year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and plus they just had to reschedule everything, and they're working around the network TV or the TV networks, and then uh, also just uh, other games too. Yeah. yeah. Mama said there'd be days like this. <laughs> there'd be days like this. My mama said. Um, not sure if we have any like closing thoughts on any. Well, you know, I see sometimes like on Twitter, Joe, you're like, yeah, we beat Duke by six, but it was really by ten, or we beat uh, Notre Dame by what thirteen, uh, ten, but really by about twenty. Yeah, yeah it felt you know, like twenty. Michigan, yeah. Michigan beat uh, Oakland by ten, but it was really more like twenty. And I don't know what people are talking about with this overtime crap. It was, yeah. it was a blowout. Michigan had it the whole time. Yeah. It was in the bag. Yeah, Mich- it was never Michigan a State feeling cruised. like we could yeah. have lost. No, that yeah. that standing command game was was way. Way, way out. That's seven points. Great camping and those garbage points. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, but uh, on the other side, we talk about speculation and rumors. And, Speculations and rumors. And innuendos and Kirk Curbstreet and uh, uh, Imani Bates, etc., mm. etc. Yes, we will get to that on the flip side. This episode of the Paul Bunyan Podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Make sure to visit far-ebar.com. There will be new products dropping on October 1st, so make sure you're checking out his website, far-ebar.com. That's fashion, that's clothing, designs, all original stuff. If you want to support small businesses, it doesn't get any smaller than uh, just one person doing everything himself. Make sure to, again, visit far-ebar.com. For this third segment, we were going to talk rumor and innuendo and speculation and just some news stories that are out there. And uh, there's one circulating Twitter, and more and more keeps coming out about it, about Imani Bates and uh, Atkins 
Aikens. Aikens, there we go. Uh, having a bit of a war of words and uh, Aikens allegedly being kicked off the team. Yeah, so <clears throat> we got to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because... It's all you know, speculation It's right all now. speculation. I'm, I'm just going to say, like, if true. So if this situation and the following are true, that's what I'm going to speak on. Yeah, so obviously Imani Bates and Jaden Akins are both Spartan commits playing for Ypsilanti Prep. And there was a rift between the two where Bates was upset in a game because Akins missed him on a lob but ended up scoring himself on, on that play anyways. Um, and... Apparently, Bates' uh, body language was not great, and the next day in practice, they got into uh, a kerfuffle of sorts, uh, exchanging heated words, with Akins apparently calling out Bates' effort and his mentality towards the team. And, you know, high school rifts happen all the time between friends, especially if they're teammates, too, and especially if they're on national television, like, a couple nights a week. Um, it's just that one of these kids is being mentioned in the same breath as LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and... Anyone who's a basketball fan knows about him. And, uh, again, we, we don't know if this is true or not, so take it with a grain of salt. But from what we've heard, uh, Elgin Bates, the father of Imani, who opened the prep school, uh, made the decision to kick Aikens off the team. And uh, I really take major issue with that for a few reasons. Um, and I, I don't want to be too critical of him because I don't have a son. And if I ever do have a son, it's highly unlikely that that son will... Uh, be mentioned in the same breath as LeBron James and Kevin Durant and viewed as the best basketball prospect of, of his generation. Well, <laughs> um, you never know. I just think you can't really, you can't do that to another high school kid who played three years at the same school and left his senior year to come play with you and you're supposed to be playing at Michigan State for probably a year together as well. Um, you need to hold your son and him and Akins accountable, but... If you're going to exile anyone who's actually willing to critique and call out your son, uh, Michigan State's not the place for you. Tom Izzo's not the coach that you are looking for in this situation because Tom Izzo doesn't want players who uh, just want to come in and be told that they're all that, that they're the bee's knees and whatnot. Like, yeah, Tom Izzo's going to tell you what you do really well, and he's going to compliment you on that, but he's also going to point out all of your flaws because he wants you to be in the NBA because that helps you, and it helps him a lot too. It helps him win, win games and gets recruits. Um, so it's it's a major issue for me, and uh, it looks like Imani's future in East Lansing is in the ropes, uh, but I, I, I do think... Because Jaden's already signed. Jaden Akins is signed, and uh, from what I've heard, the staff... And again, like don't quote me on any of this if anybody's thinking about doing that, but from what I've heard, the staff has been in contact with Akins, and they, they have thrown their support to Akins. Um, I think I just think Bates, the elder, if this situation is true, has dropped the ball here. Um, it could have been a growing moment and a teaching moment for all parties, but instead you, you get what we're talking about now. And um, I, I think it's rightfully so that the coaches would support Aikens because everybody who's a basketball fan knows the name of Monty Bates. Not everybody knows who Jaden Aikens is. Aikens is a solid prospect. He's bound to be like a three- or four-year player at Michigan State. I would even say solid might be overselling it a bit. He's a top 60 recruit. Yeah. Uh, according to 24-7 composite, he's the 60, he's exactly the 60th best player in the country, the 11th best point guard, number two in Michigan behind Bates probably. 
Well, yeah. but Bates hasn't reclassified, right, so maybe right. that's someone else. But he was a guy that Michigan was looking at, too. He was a guy I'm sure a lot of uh, schools were looking right. at. Somebody um, I'm, I'm just crazy excited to see in East Lansing. And like I said, like the fact that he would call out the, the top player in high school for not giving enough effort, I respect that a lot, uh, if it's true. Like, that that says a lot about his character, and I think it would... If this were to happen at Michigan State, it just would not fly. You know? I just don't think it's right to... Whether he's right or wrong, I don't think it's right to cut a player based on exactly. some input that he was inclined to deliver. Um, if if he was right, then it makes it kind of even worse before exactly. you let him go. If he was dead wrong and just a, a cancer to the team and just being toxic, trying to create um, rift where, where none existed, right. then in that case, okay, fine, that's probably a good move to remove him from your team regardless of how good you are. But I just don't think it sets a good precedent or is a good... You want you want a natural reaction to... for someone to call someone else out to say what he says. You want a bench for both, to bench, both of them to punish for that a game guy or something, or that like doesn't... have them come off the bench. Like I think that'd be the appropriate move. I just think what do you want? What do you want to build? Are you trying to build like a robot, right? Or are you building a player to develop his own personalities? If every time Charles Barkley as a youngster says something, if he was cut from that team or what, like it just doesn't. Exactly. That doesn't. That's not the right response. It's not the right. correct response. As a player, I don't want my dad doing that. Exactly. And all the other teammates are going to think you're a female dog. I'm not. I'm not going like, to say. Honestly. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about Imani Bates because this is a weird time to be a high schooler uh, with COVID and everything. Like they I don't have their side of the story. Exactly. Either, but yeah. it just doesn't look good from the outside. Like right. You don't want to say that you're not welcome to any kind of critique or that somehow you're in a bubble where he's protected from everything that, no. If there's something that he's doing wrong and a teammate wants to point that out, that shouldn't be something that is punishable. Right. The the player for speaking shouldn't be punished for that. Exactly. And forget about whether he tries that in East Lansing against Izzo. Like, I'm looking at Michigan State's other recruits. What if uh, Pierre Brooks decides to say something to Imani if he comes to state is right Rock, rocket watts may very well still be on the team yeah. when it, if and when Imani Bates arrives like at that point your daddy so now you can't say anything so now right. you can't talk to that player Everybody now you just can't supposed to bow yeah like, you can't give any any critique even if it would be of benefit exactly. to Imani if if these if this story and these allegations are true and it results in Michigan State losing out on Imani Bates after Izzo putting years and years of work to get him to Michigan State, so be it. Michigan State basketball is currently in the prime of one of its best stretches ever. That's true. Like, in all facets. You want to talk yeah. about they're putting players into the NBA. You wouldn't rather be Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky or anybody. Exactly. Right now, today, Michigan State's probably the elite college basketball program and they weren't built by superstars they were built by blue collars chris who who was the point guard when michigan State? Uh, you, yeah who was the point guard when michigan state won the national title yeah. Mateen cleaves a senior every anybody who's a fan of basketball in the state of michigan can tell me that can you tell me who tom Izzo's first one and done player was jason richardson nope hmm. that would have been my guess too because he went to school the same time yep. as i watched lavelle blanchard Marcus and pioneer Taylor. We Zach, went. Zach Randolph. Zach Randolph. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, it's fine. Let me just say that I got to go to Breland to watch 
Blanchard play against Jason Richardson, and we won that game, and we went on to win the championship when I was in high school as a nice. college, you know as a high school basketball fan. One of the guys, a sophomore, uh, was in one of my classes, and then Blanchard went on to play at U of M, Richardson to Michigan State. <clears throat> Richardson had a great NBA career and a great time at State. Yeah. He went out and kissed the the emblem at the center of uh, of half court there at the Breslin. And we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe yeah. he's going to Michigan State. But that was, like, really fun for me to be a high school teen, get to see my guy, you know, going to Michigan, win the state championship, win the title. Yeah. Um, but under Ellerby, under Ellerby, Blanchard really was not any better as a senior as he was as a freshman. And that's yeah. when I realized that we weren't in a good spot for Never college learned. basketball. But Jason Richardson – he was so fun as a part of those teams in the NBA that first started like shooting yeah. those threes and then not playing defense or like like not going for the board, just going back yeah. in defense. That was a really fun thing to see, and it was um it's kind of another reminder that like Michigan State is like that cut above uh, Michigan as far as basketball. They've just Tom Izzo has done it so consistently for <clears> so <throat> long that if you get an Amani base to come play, it's great, but you're not. It's not like Michigan State's going to be screwed if Imani Bates doesn't come. No, through. right, exactly. They they're not dependent on any one exactly. player for their own success. He's, he's gotten those players like Jason Richardson who played two years, or Zach Randolph one year, or uh, you know Jaron Jackson Jr. was one year. But it was built on Mateen Cleaves, Charlie Bell, Morris Peterson, and sustained through those multi-year players like Shannon Brown, Maurice Ager, Drew Neitzel, uh, Raymar Morgan, Kalen Lucas. I can go on and on. But who was the now. best guy? Who was the guy like that you got that went on to play for Golden State? That was arguably so Draymond, arguably one of the best recruits to come through, the best tenure at Michigan State. But if you take a Draymond out, you still have like it doesn't hurt. Right, like, right. That's what I mean, is there's just so much there's an abundance of talent and wealth that goes in there. And then there's abundance of talent that gets developed under Izzo and turns into something wonderful right. in the NBA. It's its own I mean, Michigan State is a manufacturer of NBA exactly. talent. But they're, they're the they're the prototype for what you would want to be as a college basketball. Whether or not Imani Bates ever comes to Michigan State was always going to be in question, regardless. As not just as a Michigan State fan, as someone who lives in Ypsilanti and was I was so happy to see Ipsy Prep be on national TV and people know Ypsilanti and have the potential for our town to become this basketball recruiting factory the way that Flint and Detroit have been. That really had me excited. So I really hope for peaceful resolve in this situation, if any of it's true at all. Uh, I hope the best for Jaden Akins. I hope the best for Imani Bates. Uh, Akins has signed with Michigan State. If, if Bates doesn't go to Michigan State, like I, I wish him all the best because he's, he's an Ypsilanti kid. I want him to be successful, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... It, I just saw that. Um, I, I want to shout out at uh, Wanderer Spartan DK on Twitter because I had seen like some rumblings about the news, but he was the first one who got out and was like, "This Here's is what I heard happening." happening. Exactly. Yeah, and he so talked to, to several people. He right, says. he wasn't just like, "Yeah, this is what I think about it." Like he's he's very educated. Um, he was him. like, "I talked to this person, that person, exactly. this person." So not like not to bump someone sides. else's uh, podcast, but he does a podcast called Spartan Hoops, where they if you think I deep dive on Spartan Hoops, they're like diving for plenty of room at the exactly. top of the uh, you know, and we'll rise with the tide, right? Along exactly. With them. So. But uh, so yeah, it, it was a very concerning situation to learn about. And um, but if honestly, if I had to pick between the two players to have, 
I would have played in Aikens for that exact reason, that I believe he's a three- to four-year player. And just the athleticism at the point guard position that he brings, like, it excites me beyond all reason. But we got we got some other rumors and uh, uh, what was the word? <laughs> phrase innuendo. Innuendo. Rumors and innuendo. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a talk that, uh, you know, I, I saw 97.1 was apparently talking about uh, uh, Joe Milton saying that not only – during the Rutgers game, not only was he saying he was going to transfer, but he was going to transfer to Rutgers and lay 50 on Michigan, which <laughs> uh, made me uh, laugh. Um, there's been rumblings around among those close to the program who probably have better sources than anyone at 971. At least, <laughs> right. Uh, at least other than, um, um, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. Who's in the morning with uh, Stoney now? John, John Jansen, Jansen, yeah, he, he would, and Doug Harsh would, but I don't know if anyone else there. It's, it sounded like he was telling the Rutgers players that, yes, that he was going to transfer That's the way I now. took it, too. Uh, okay. Some of the places that were reporting it, like Jay Book, who is a fun follow, but let me just say that... It's not like the most reliable fo- sources. And sometimes I struggle with their grammar. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> exactly figuring out what they were going to say. Don't get me wrong, I have tech speak, too. But <laughs> when you're right. reporting a news story, sometimes it's nice to have Grammarly on your side. So I was kind of struggling to get exactly what he means and, you know, use of pronouns. Are you they? Is he saying this to Michigan right. players or is he saying the this first to Rutgers time, players? The first time I saw it, I, I thought it was he was saying it to Michigan players. Like yeah. just saying he was going to transfer somewhere in the Big Ten and say it to somebody and was telling it to his Michigan teammates. And I actually saw someone on Twitter um, that thought, it was a weird story because he thought he was telling the Rutgers players that as a Michigan player, he's going to lay 50 next time, which if you read <laughs> it, it does actually kind of, I could see how someone could say that. But anyway, well, you got to be careful with these ones because that's three different ways that we could interpret this, <laughs> right. this thing that may not have ever actually happened. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a possibility it happened. I, I think there's at least a shred of truth because I've been hearing from a lot of people that a lot of players and coaches aren't happy and I've said that one of the issues I have with this staff is no one seems to want to be around Harbaugh for a long time. Um, but if you're playing as poorly as Milton, it just seems like sour grapes. Yeah. yeah I don't have any sympathy for him because it's like, okay, you got your chance. You had five games, four or five yeah, games five in the starting position and we saw what it is that you can deliver and then at this point it's like it's exactly what you said it's sour grapes and it doesn't matter to me because now as a fan if we have something better in Cade something better next year in JJ or a couple years then it's like you're an afterthought you know like you're not (laughs) you're not in my mind anymore you will not put up 50 against Michigan you you're you're done and I don't have I mean that's it. You're an afterthought. I've already forgotten about you. Yeah. In the Penn State so. game, the staff shows Cade who's going to throw it more than, excuse me, six yards down the field over you. You know, like they would rather go with an injured Cade over you. Right. What so, does that say? So, yeah. So no wonder. You're it's not mad. like you didn't get your fair shake. Yeah. yeah. You absolutely did. You beat out a guy that then left the school. You're the reason that Dylan didn't get to have more starts for us. Maybe. We got to see what you can produce, and we're not impressed. I do want to say know? all this so, is rumor. So, right. Rumor. You know, well, but we, we, we know some things, which is that yeah. Milton 
got the start, earned the starting role, and then did what he did, and we've seen that. And now there's no reason to see any more of it. So. Yeah, yeah. For, for the Milton part, yes, definitely. I mean, honestly, if your dream is to transfer to Rutgers, where are you at in life? Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> where is your path to the NFL is kind of what I'm wondering for, like, at Milton. Let's just say that he does have the NFL talent. I think a better school for you to maybe uh, end up with would be, like, a, a team in the Power Five that maybe is needing uh, Somewhere in the Big 12 because they don't play defense. Sure, or, like – just somewhere where you can put up an impressive senior year as far as touchdowns and yards and lack of interceptions and put yourself on the radar for the NFL. And I do. I hope that he does accomplish that. I hope Milton has a nice career in the NFL. I do wish him well. <clears throat> I wish his time here was better spent. I wish that he were more successful. But, look, like we got to move on as well. Uh, but I wish Joe Milton the best. And maybe uh, when you're – Playing in a game, don't say next year you're going to be on the opposing team's roster. Yeah. That's kind of it's not. It doesn't endear you to the institution. <laughs> it doesn't make us want to remember you also, uh, moving forward if you have that attitude. It also seems like a culture problem. Every year there's so many transfers at Michigan and there <coughs> new coaches. Um, you know, you want a cohesive team if you want if you're going to have success. Yeah, you want to be. Exactly. A part of a program that people want to play for and stay with and then be remembered by if they go into the yeah, so people Hall of Fame be enshrined in that uniform right. uh, for Michigan, which is a great institution and a great university and a great experience to play. Right, more the name Michigan. on the front than the name on the back. Yeah. Right. And you right. want uh, players to remember their years here fondly. Right. And then uh, speaking of Michigan, uh, Kirk Herbstreet said that uh, Michigan was ducking the Ohio State game. That's fine. We probably we probably should. I mean, <laughs> we joked about that on here, I believe, and we, we've seen jokes on Twitter about it. But he was dead serious. Yeah, but he, it's fine. But it, look, they're better than we are. Okay, they're so. we we pretty much know what's going to happen if we play. The, it's fine to take a year off. But the years in recent years, when it looks like Michigan's going to get smacked, those are tend, seem to be the years that are the closest. Maybe you know, so, but we haven't won in 17 years but with the exception of one time. It's also saying, like, hey, Wards, the reason they're possibly going to cancel the game is because they're scared versus the very real fact that people are getting sick. Right. And, no, just, and I, I, if I, you're trying to get your players to the NFL, why wouldn't you have them play in one of the most watched games? I want them to play, in, but... Herb Street's not wrong, is he, what I'm trying to say. I think he is. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's silly to say, hey, the reason they're doing this is because of... What does that say about Herb Street? No, it's true. It's pure speculation on his part. And we yeah. don't know how hungry our guys are in the locker room to have this game. A lot of guys, seniors, for example, to play the biggest rivalry that you've had a chance to play... That's the reason that you suit up. That's the reason that you go to practice every day. That's the reason you, you know, subject yourself to a lot of physical torment and pain is to get to suit up for a game like this. So in that sense, I agree with you. Obviously, the players want to play. And as a fan, I I think you'd always rather have an L than an asterisk. Yes. At least that's how I view it. Like, I, I look at... Michigan That's State. why you play the game. Exactly. Yep. I look yep. at Michigan State losing in the, the first round to Middle Tennessee State, Denzel Valentine's senior year as a two-seed, and it broke my heart. But I know that it happened, and I'm able to move on from that. 
I don't know what would have happened if Michigan State played in the in March Madness this past year with Winston as a senior. Maybe they get upset in the first round. Maybe they go all the way. And it, that hurts me a lot more than knowing what happened against Middle Tennessee State in 2016. It can help you grow, too. If Michigan yeah. lays an egg against Ohio State, those teams, those players can come back hungrier next year. Yeah. You talk about losing in the first round, that 2011 Michigan team lost to Ohio in the first round. The next year, they're in the championship game. Exactly. Great point. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. And I just think he, he was super serious when he said it. So bad that a couple hours later, he's on... He's apologizing. I, I think it harkens back to what we talked about uh, when we were discussing the Penn State-Michigan game and Mike Golick discussing Jim Harbaugh's contract extension and, like, how that got Going too far with it. Exactly. Like, there's a, there a time and place. Like, if, if Herb Street was tweeting about it <coughs> in, in, like, the same words that he used, it would have been a little bit different. It would have been probably funnier or, like, maybe well more well-received. But I think he was on, like, a, a college football show on ESPN. And like discussing yes. it, so that that makes it a little bit different. And then all, place. most of the replies aren't from Michigan fans when he apologizes; they're from Ohio State fans mad that he apologized. And <laughs> it's like no wonder he had to move from Columbus. Yeah, there's a reason he moved out of there to Nashville. Those fans are rabid. They eat their yeah. own. Yeah. Oh my God. Like you said, a few bad apples that kind of uh, sour the whole bunch um, yeah. because. We're not speaking to the majority of the fan base, but just just against. It's like they hate their they hate Michigan more than they love their own team. I don't even love Michigan more than I love pizza. (laughs) I do. I do. Okay, maybe I do, but I do love pizza. (laughs) Other than that, I think we got to everything we wanted to cover on this episode. We're hoping that the games get played, and next week we can discuss Michigan State and Penn State, Michigan and Ohio State, and of course the basketball team. Everybody, this was the Paul Bunyan Podcast. You can find us on... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, you were actually going right into what I was wanting to go into. All right. So, well, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Paul Bunyan Pod. Uh, look up the Paul Bunyan Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we don't get a whole lot of emails, but we do have an email address, uh, the Paul Bunyan Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and you said on Twitter too, Paul at, at Paul Bunyan Pod. Yep. And also, just look out for the new website where we're going to have uh, photos from the show, uh, interviews, questions, commentary, and hopefully, kind of create a an interactive uh, yeah. place for you to come spend a little time uh, with a Paul Bunyan podcast. Hopefully, some some big things coming, but yeah. it was good having this time to discuss our teams. Uh, everybody else got a little bit of like a, an introduction bio, so I'm just going to say I'm Joe Dahl. Uh, normally a pretty angry Spartan, but <laughs> I, I go back and forth. I'm just happy to be watching the games. In all honesty, yeah, I, I love, uh, I love Michigan. I joke about loving pizza more, but I really do eat, breathe, everything Michigan. Uh, when Michigan loses, it ruins my day. I want the Michigan Ohio State game to happen uh, this coming weekend. My wife doesn't. She doesn't like how angry I get that weekend. <laughs> Chris, you want to add anything? Yeah, no, just um, just happy to be doing this with you guys and happy to uh, embrace any of the participants that want to kind of join in the the uh, the rhetoric and the dialogue that, that we have here at the Paul Bunyan Podcast. has been a ton of fun, and especially in a COVID year, you know, just really thankful to have this to do. So thank Absolutely. you both, and thank you all to the fans. Yeah, until next week, go blue. Go green. Go blue.